0: You're listening to KCRW, I'm Madeline Brand. It is the weekend before Christmas, and thankfully, all through the theaters, there's no more holiday movies opening. It is only superheroes, fast cars, wrestling, and a musical. And here to review them, we have Sean Edwards, award-winning journalist for Fox 4 News in Kansas City, Missouri. Hello, Sean.
1: Hey, hey, how's it going?
0: Great. And William Bibbiani is film critic and co-host of the critically acclaimed network. Bibbs, Hello. Still no
2: awards, but I'm here and I'm ready to review movies. I don't know. (laughs) We're going
0: to give you an award. Thank you. At the end of this, you're going to get an award. Okay. Let's (laughs) get excited. Let's start with DC's Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. It's directed by James Wan. Jason Momoa returns as the titular seafaring superhero. I'm the king of Atlantis.
2: Half a billion people... From every known species in the sea, call this place home. But
1: that doesn't mean they all like me. I'm gonna kill Aquaman and destroy everything he holds dear.
0: Okay, Bibbs, this is supposed to be the final DC film before James Gunn reboots it all, and they're following up on their most popular film. What do you think? Did Aquaman go out with a bang?
2: Uh, You know, it's been 10 years. There have been about 15, depending on how you count, maybe 16 films in the DC Extended Universe. There have been some great films. There have been some bad films. And I think it was a really interesting choice for Warner Brothers to end the the franchise on a film so bad (laughs) that we won't even miss it. It's like, oh, thank God we're done. We don't have to do this again. Because Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is pretty staggeringly inept in a lot of ways. Story-wise, it's weirdly repetitive of the original movie. They just switched some characters around, so now instead of bickering with Amber Heard, Jason Momoa is bickering with Patrick Wilson to the exact same result. Uh meanwhile, Amber Heard has been cut out of the movie so haphazardly that instead of being uh a, you know, a powerful superhero with a powerful personality, uh now she spends the movie having babies doing laundry and sitting quietly by Jason Momoa's side, like a dutiful housewife. Uh, It's weird. It's sexist. It makes Aquaman look bad. Mm. Uh, And on top of it all, it's full of, it's just visual chaos from start to finish. Uh, It's kind of hard to make out a lot of the time. The plot makes no sense. The dialogue is laughable. I lost count of how many times I saw a baby pee in Jason Momoa's face. Uh, It's a pretty (laughs) pretty bad movie it's the kind of bad superhero movie that superhero movies have spent like the last couple of decades trying to prove that they're not it's a it's it's a real downer
0: <laughs> wow i just have that image of the baby in my head now i can't shake it sean
1: Bibbs is 100 correct i would like to offer a counterpoint but i can't this movie's <laughs> bad uh, superhero fatigue is real but poor and unimaginative storytelling is the real problem. I actually thought I was watching the first Aquaman while I was watching this Aquaman. They are so similar and not for a good reason. It's just, it's, it's it's all a travesty. And yes, there is a visual assault going on. James Wan, the director, overpopulates every frame of this film to the point that it's all distracting. And poor Jason Momoa, I mean, he tries. I mean, he really tries. But he might as well have been in every scene waving a white flag. I mean, there's nothing he could do but surrender. This, this thing he is a mess. It's paycheck. almost like
0: so I don't. Feel oh, not that yet. sorry
1: For him. Well, I don't. But this this is this is a casualty that's only adding to the demise of the genre because no one's figured out how to do anything fresh, different. You know, it's it's just it's all a mess at this point in time. And wow, what a way to go out. So sad. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, if you dare, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom in theaters beginning today. Next up, we have a drama from A24. The Iron Claw follows the Von Erich brothers as they rise to wrestling stardom, based on a true story written and directed by Sean Durkin and starring Zac Efron and the bear himself, Jeremy Allen White.
1: We're here to restore
2: justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us, the hands up will
0: deliver the iron clock to you. Hey, Sean, this movie wrestles with heavy trauma, quote unquote. <laughs> wrestles. Ha ha. And uh, follows the real story of the Von Erich family in the 1980s. We got some rush there, thankfully. Uh, what did you think?
1: Well, since we're doing the pun thing, this movie had me in a total headlock. But for a good reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Director Sean Durkin, he takes the name of the film from a move that was created by fritz von eric who's the father of this clan of sons um i like this movie a lot because it goes back to the 1950s in the early days it's pre what we know wrestling to be today it's it's nothing like what we see with wwe in its current state it goes back to the early days of wrestling I love watching a movie that I simply knew nothing about. Ooh. No, I did know about the Iron Claw move because we used to do it when we were kids. But I didn't know, where, I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know how it was created. What is it's, it? You you position your hand like a like a claw, like like a, like a hawk, and you smash it down on your opponent's face. Whether or not you actually go through with it or not is debatable because. There is some controversy to whether or not wrestling is actually a sport, whether or not the participants are athlete, actually athletes. But the film does it does nicely address this, but it deals more with this supposed family curse. And there's a lot of serious stuff. And there's a lot of things that that happen to this family that, that mm. are, I mentioned loosely sort of addressed in the film. It does so enough that it really garners your attention because it's done in a very realistic, somber and totally engrossing way. But there's so much going on with this family that I almost wish this film were a series because you could do a separate movie on each one of the sons. There's a there's a lot going on in this movie and and it's raw and it's rich and it's sad and it's grim. But I just wish they had more time. To expand on everything that happened with each one of these sons who ultimately have a tragic end
0: oh wow okay and zach efron is good he's broken out of his high school musical uh chains so to speak
1: 100 all of the cast i mean jeremy allen white is great as well and, and that's the thing that works really well with this film is because there's a believability with each of the actors my my only gripe with the film is I just wish they had more time to expand on the story because the mother sort of gets lost and there there bits and pieces of the film where the where the dad and his ambitions get lost because you're covering all of the sons and you're covering this whole entire industry and there's there's just not not enough time to really really center everything and expand on everything the way you would want it to and that's why I say it would work a lot better if it were a series.
0: The Iron Claw in theaters beginning today. All right, time to shift gears and talk about Ferrari, directed by Michael Mann. The film follows Enzo Ferrari, who is played by Adam Driver. Am I a sportsman? Or a competitor? If you get into one of my cars... get in the wind. Bibbs, this film follows Enzo and his wife Laura Ferrari at a rocky moment in their marriage in 1957. Tell us more about the story that drives them to this point.
2: Ferrari uh, is stars Adam Driver is Enzo Ferrari, stars Penelope Cruz as his wife, and stars Shailene Woodley as his uh, longtime mistress. And this is about a very short period in which the future of the Ferrari company was really uncertain. Uh, they had just lost world records to other companies. It's, uh, they just lost their biggest racer. Uh, there's a decent chance that they're not going to be able to keep the company going at all. It's all on the line. Meanwhile, Enzo Ferrari's marriage is falling apart. Michael Mann is a great filmmaker, and one of the things that he excels at, maybe more than any other filmmaker, is telling stories about people who are good at their jobs. Often that means cops and robbers, but he's told great stories about, you know, working at 60 Minutes, about the boxing industry. Uh, and here he's telling a story about the automotive industry. And whenever it is doing that, it is really, really great. Uh, and frankly, even the emotional story between uh Enzo Ferrari and the two women in his life is is really quite exceptional. My issue with this movie, and it's it's a little thing, but it's consistently distracting is that Adam Driver, 40-year-old man, is playing a 60-year-old in pretty unconvincing makeup it looks like he was just made up to look like a 60 year old in a saturday night live sketch
0: well i noticed he has the same hair as tom cruise does in collateral
2: oh god I, yeah i i wish i wish it was coiffed so nice he has this weird exact hairline like this but this
0: weird white hair yeah
2: right and that's and it's fine he'll make him look older but it would make sense to make him look older if like a significant amount of the film also had adam driver younger he only appears as like his own age in like flashbacks for like a 2 minutes of the screen time tops so for the majority of the movie you've got adam driver not convincingly looking 60 next to actual actors who are that age and it's really distracting it's still good if you can get past that it's it's a finely crafted drama in a lot of ways but it's just an example of one piece in the puzzle is misplaced and the whole thing doesn't look quite right
0: you know another thing that is distracting to me is when there is Italian. They're in Italy mm-hmm. and they're speaking English with Italian accents. I don't know this bugs me. Sean, what did you think of this?
1: No, I do agree with that. And I can get past Adam Driver not looking 60 because Michael Mann does such a terrific job directing this film because he's given Ferrari so that of the Ali treatment. And much like that 2001 film about the famed boxer, Mann has smartly chosen to focus on a specific point in Enzo Ferrari's life, which I thought really makes this film excel. Now, I would say that the race scenes are brilliant they are fabulously shot but this isn't necessarily a film about racing i mean this is much more a film about what's going inside the head of a man who's actually going through some 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 challenges i mean he's dealing with issues personally he's dealing with issues professionally and, and like Bibbs mentioned, he's toggling between his wife, he's toggling between his mistress, he's toggling between a failed business. And this film does a good job of really laying that all out so you get an understanding that, that this particular individual is at a crossroads in life and what direction is he gonna go in and you know what will the outcome be? I will say, polemically, Cruz provides all of the energy and the adrenaline. She's fabulous. Poor Shailene Woodley is treated like a real-life mistress because she seldom pops up, and when she does, she's not given very much to do. Mm. And my one quip about, you know, Adam Driver is I felt he was a little too stoic, almost to the point of almost really never registering a pulse. And I I just wish he just delivered a little more energy or a little more personality, but the film maintains its watchability, even if it is a bit too subtle and a bit too nuanced.
0: Ferrari in theaters December 24th, Christmas Eve. Finally, the latest from Warner Brothers produced by Oprah Winfrey and Steven Spielberg. It's directed by Blitz Bazawule, and it's a musical adaptation of The Color Purple starring Fantasia Barrino. There's going to be some changes made. Put it on. This ain't me. Hush. We need to look like we belong. Let's see this smile and color. Sweet and loving God. All right, Sean, this film is the latest in a long string of adaptations of The Color Purple. And what did you think?
1: Yeah, well, I will say this. This version of The Color Purple has more to do with Janet Jackson and Steven Spielberg, because this retelling of The Color Purple, which is that, adaptation of the Tony award-winning Broadway production which is based off the 1982 Pulitzer Prize novel is about control and reclaiming the narrative now the, the first thing you will notice that this version is a lot glossier more stylistic cheerful and at times more playful because the vibe is dreamy and the tone is very hopeful and the subject matter it hasn't changed however the tone is a real remarkable departure from the book and the 1985 film and this version doesn't resonate as deeply as the 1985 film but in many ways it's more entertaining and uplifting now the time period remains the same but the rural georgia location has been robustly photographed i mean first time feature film director i can't believe this was a first time feature film director blitz Basil Woulet has really created a showstopping musical that has these really energetic numbers and the production values are glossy, particularly the cinematography, which showcases the complexity of black skin, perhaps better than any film ever. Now, if there is a negative to the film, is that the Mr. Character isn't as menacing as the 1985 film. And actually all of the men in this film are much nicer, something that the novel in Steven Spielberg's version was really heavily criticized for back in the day. And also if there's another gripe, the relationship between Celia and Chuck Avery has been really severely sanitized. But that's that's sort of nitpicking because this cast is exuberant and like this the color purple sort of works as this gleeful tribute. It's like a cinematic church service and a celebration of culture and a love letter to literature. And it's all about reclaiming and the entire production just screams, how dare you nominate the original film for 11 Oscars and not awarded anything. <laughs> and this is what mm-hmm. we've done to sort of like set that wrong and make it right.
0: All right, Bibbs, the the main character, Celie, she uh, in the book, as Sean alluded to, mm-hmm. goes through some pretty horrific things. And uh, yet the story kind of I guess Sean glosses over them a little bit, but Bibbs, what did you think?
2: I think the first like half of the movie is you know relatively harrowing for this kind of production. Uh, but you know the purpose of the narrative isn't to you know make it curl up in a ball at the end and wonder if there's any good left in the world. There's a hopeful quality to it, and I will say this: they've directed some incredible performances out of this movie, and I think that if nothing else, the music is really really good. It's wonderfully filmed, but like the performances like across the board are really fantastic here, and I think that gets everything uh, through. Fantasia it it knows how to act and sing at the same time, something that not every uh, actor in a musical movie seems to do nowadays. Uh, Daniel Brooks steals every single scene they're in. Coleman Domingo is just incredibly loathsome. Um, It does feel as though all of uh, the queer elements of the movie have been shoved aside as much as possible, while still technically, like, if you want to see it, it's there. That feels a little, uh, uh, it feels like the film has a lack of confidence in that regard. Uh, but overall, I think this is actually a very strong production. And again, if, if only for the performances, I think it should be seen.
0: All right. The Color Purple in theaters on Christmas Day, December 25th. And that'll do it for us today. That is the last film review segment of the year. And, uh, Bibbs, we have your award. God. You, you, you get the Iron Claw Award.
2: Yes. Oh, I great. love it it. Is like in the shape of a of a of a hand going Rawr. Thank you so much.
0: You're I welcome. love you for
1: that.
2: So now you have to introduce me as the award winning film critic. Yes, <laughs> you, of course.
1: you clawed off the man. You really did. You clawed <laughs> off. Wow. It clawed exactly. me first.
0: <laughs> it clawed you first. William Bibbiani is an award winning film critic and co host yes. of the critically acclaimed <laughs> <laughs> network. <laughs> And Sean Edwards is an award-winning journalist for Fox 4 News in Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you both, and happy holidays, and see you in the new year.
1: Thank you so much. Happy holidays.